Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Brian Cano is a featured analyst for the Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera. He's a guest on the History Channel's The Curse of Oak Island, Drilling Down and the Unexplained with William Shatner, as well as a tech specialist for Sci-Fi's Haunted Collector Team. Now, when not delighting fans with his on-screen presence, the 19-year investigative veteran can be found sharing his wit and wisdom at top-notch events and elite universities throughout the United States and abroad. Most recently, Brian debuted his interactive history of the paranormal mobile exhibit at historical landmarks in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut. His goal is to hit all 50 states. Brian, welcome to the program. Good evening, George. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this. And how did you get started in this field? This is fantastic. It's been some time. It's it's crazy to look back now. It's been 20 years since I've been actually actively investigating the paranormal. And I always tell people that when you're a child, you believe. It's easy to believe. But as you get older and you become an adult, your beliefs are often thrown into question. And all the things that you had when you were young, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, etc., you start losing those things and you're left wondering, well, what is real? And how I got started was very much uh, a simple beginning. In 2002, some friends of mine and I started a cable access show here on Staten Island, New York, called Scared on Staten Island. Uh And it was more urban exploration than paranormal investigation at the time, because this was 2002. The big explosion of TV shows hadn't begun for another two years with Ghost Hunters, and we were just kind of figuring out what we were doing, and we decided that we can go into some of the haunted places, rather the reportedly haunted places here on Staten Island, and if it was as haunted as everyone says it was, we should be able to go in with ourselves, our wits, and some cameras, and document some activity. And you did, and you were way ahead of the curve, weren't you? Uh, it, it seems that way. Uh, ironically enough, the station manager for the cable access uh, at the time said, wow, this is some crazy stuff you guys have going on here. I, I would never do it, but don't be surprised if you start seeing programming like this popping up everywhere. And we looked at each other, shrugged and laughed, like, yeah, no one's going to do this. Because the most common uh, comment that we got for our programming was, you guys are crazy. I would never do that. <laughs> and look where we are now. And you could tell that you like doing what you're doing, Brian, and you take it seriously. I do. I do. I, I, I've always enjoyed it. And, and like I said, when one is young, you have all these beliefs and the world and the universe is a magical, wonderful place filled with possibilities. And when you get older, a lot of people feel robbed. A lot of people feel frustrated with, all right, well, if life is just about commuting and bills and taxes, what's, what's the point? And for me, I, I very much felt that way coming out of college. And getting into the paranormal officially the way I did allowed me to rediscover wonder. It gave me back some of those things that I lost in growing up in that Mm -hmm. crucible of getting older. And I I really feel that for a lot of people in the paranormal, it's the same thing. They're they're getting something back that might be intangible, but is very important. It's amazing, too, what 
we have all learned by working in the paranormal field, in your opinion, what's the biggest thing you've learned about the paranormal? Wow. Um, Working in the paranormal, the biggest thing that I've learned is that as much as you think you know, you really don't know (laughs) anything, and it's a constant learning experience. Now, when I first started my jaunt into the paranormal in 2002, I labeled myself a skeptic. I really didn't believe I was going through a crisis of faith, and every time someone would come to me and report, oh, well, I had an activity, or I saw this, or, oh, I believe in that, I kind of scoffed at the, at the report, and I thought, hmm, well, there has to be a logical explanation. There's got to be something, a mundane reason for what's going on here. And I don't think you're seeing ghosts, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And ironically, so much of the things that I've learned, I didn't learn immediately. It took years of reflection. It took the, uh, the expanse of time. And, and funny enough, George, you were there at one of the key linchpin moments that took me a, a long time to get. And it was at a Darkness Radio event uh, in 2012 at Eastern State Penitentiary. And I remember that. Mm-hmm. What a great and, place, too, by the way. Oh, amazing. Beautiful. And it was, it was a location that I loved anyway. But that night, something happened that really brought a lesson in focus for me that had been dormant for a very long time. And I always tell people, by itself, for me, at least for me, each experience in the paranormal that I went through is like a grain of sand. And individually, by itself, when you look at a single grain of sand, it doesn't seem like much. So you'll throw it to the floor. You'll cast it away. And I did that with every report, with every experience. I just shrugged it off and threw it on the ground. But as time went on and enough of those grains of sands passed through my hands, I looked down at the floor and figuratively speaking, I was standing on a beach of all those collected experiences. And I really had to address what that meant for me. And it really did change me. And hence the name of the book, Grains of Sand. Grains of Sand, yes. Tales of a Paranormal Life. And I, I really, sometimes with me, it, when, it, when it comes to branding, uh, maybe a better title for the book would be something scarier or more nail-on-the-head paranormal. But for me, Grains of Sand says it all. Now, you've been doing Paranormal Caught on Camera for, what, four or five seasons? We just finished our fifth season, and we are about to roll into season six. That's fantastic. I mean, that's that's longevity for that kind of program. And, and tell me some of the things that you have, because people submit video submissions and things like that. What What has been one of the most outstanding things that you have seen caught on camera? That's a good question, George. I mean, having watched the video submissions for the past five seasons, you get your mix. And some of them, again, I, I look through a skeptic lens. And sure. Hmm. You got to see if they made it up or directed it or something like that. Yeah, and, and I'm really skeptical. And I, sometimes I will beg the producers, guys, we can't show this. Please, please, let's not show this. But... Another thing I learned from being on the show, it's not about necessarily proof. It's not about ironclad evidence. The show is called Paranormal Caught on Camera, not you must believe this or else. And for me, looking at
looking at the clips and sometimes talking it over, discussing it with the other panelists. Sometimes I'm swayed, and it's something that I might not have believed when I first started watching. I'll later be convinced, and vice versa. And the, the one big takeaway for me is that when I first got onto the show, I was very much a ghosts and spirits guy. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the different topics, the different subjects, I know a lot more about ufology, uh, cryptozoology. I'm, I'm better versed to be able to, to give uh, an educated opinion in, in several different fields under the umbrella of the paranormal. And the show forced me to do that as I did research for each clip. Have you ever been hurt on that kind of a show? You mean uh, with, with uh, the, the way producers and the paranormal have a temporary alliance but then sometimes go awry? Sometimes it goes awry. It does. Uh, well, I will say that after being on Haunted Collector uh, in the early 2010s, that was a great experience. Working with John Zaffis was... Well, he's a great incredible. guy, isn't he? Being on the well, road. You also and... worked with Rosemary Ellen Guiley on, uh, on the paranormal caught on camera. And I miss yes. her. God rest her soul. She is... Actually, you know, George, she's the reason that I said yes to the show, because after Haunted Collector, all the pitches I was given from producers were, okay, okay, here it is. Uh, there's this guy, and he does this by day, but by night, he's a paranormal investigator, and you'll be his tech guy. And I'm thinking, hmm, I, I kind of did that already. John wants to go back out on the road. I'll do it seven ways to Sunday, but I'm not going to do that for just anybody. He's earned it. He, I will follow John anywhere. But when I saw the, the casting list for Paranormal Caught on Camera, and I saw Rosemary Ellen Guiley's name, I immediately, I said, okay, I'm in. If, if Rosemary said yes to this, I will do it. Back in 1996, Brian, I'm doing my local show in St. Louis. I'm called the Nighthawk, uh, but I'm doing similar things that we're doing now on Coast to Coast. Same kind of guests, and I was looking for someone unusual, so I went to the bookstore, and I'm in the occult section, and I see a book called The Encyclopedia of Dreams by Rosemary Ellen Guiley. So we put her on the air back in 1996 locally, and she was an instant success. I mean, she was just perfect. And when I started doing Coast to Coast on a regular basis in 2003, we brought her aboard as a regular guest, and she became a friend to all of us. Uh, And uh, I can't tell you how much we miss her. Yeah, she, she was a fountain of knowledge. She was a mentor of mine, a good friend, and... I, I've said this a lot, that I hope that in continuing to do the show, uh, in being out there on the road, teaching everything that she's taught me, that uh, some more people will be introduced to her and her books. And, every, and literally every time I go into a bookstore, I will go to the Supernatural section and I'll look for one of her encyclopedias. Yeah, absolutely. She was, and her husband, Joe, great guy. A, a big loss to the paranormal. Uh, oh, huge. Yeah, huge. And then, uh, heck, we had another one, Stanton Friedman. Who, oh, yeah, he was such a, such a sweetheart, such a nice guy. And here's another great story there. He was my first radio interview when I was 21 years old, back in 1971. Uh, my first radio interview was Stanton Friedman, and I just remembered him all along the line, and then I, all of a sudden I'm doing this program. I'm doing a live show in Columbus, Ohio, and he's one of the guests. And he looked fine. He felt fine. 
And uh, on the way home through the airport, on his way through to Toronto, he drops dead of a heart attack. And so, ironically, he was my first radio interview. I was his last interviewer when he died. Oh, wow. Gosh. I remember hearing about that, and and I only had the chance to appear at a a convention with Stanton just once. Uh, We've kept in contact over the years, but my first impression was, oh, it's a UFO guy, and he must be serious and stuffy. But he was just funny and personable, and you never would have... If we didn't stop to talk about the paranormal, we could have just had a beer, had a regular conversation, and it would have been great. Great man. Great guy. Now, this is your first time on this program, isn't it? It is, George. And What took us so long? I've, you know, it's been an aspiration. I've wanted to do it for a very long time, but I thought if I'm going to go on Coast to Coast AM, I want it to be for a really special reason, not just, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm investigating this weekend. Right. And for me, the, the book, this is my first book, uh, that, that was it. How, how did you come up with the title, Grains of Sand? Grains of Sand, all the experiences that I've had throughout my, my time in the paranormal, really, I, I would dismiss them when they would first be presented to me. And I don't know, I guess I, I could chalk it up to being I mean, a little closed-minded at first or a little hard-headed. Sometimes being skeptical blocks you off to things. But I, I always tell people, yes, it's important to remain skeptical because the opposite of which is uh, to, to be naive. You don't wish to be, but every experience that I had, I, cons- I called a grain of sand. And when it came time to write the book, just to write any book, I've, I've, this, is, this has been also a dream of mine for many years since college, that what am I going to write about? Is it going to be a tech manual? Is it going to be maybe about my time on the road with Haunted Collector? I, I couldn't get out of my own way. And two people really had influence over me. I, Rosemary was one of them mm-hmm. uh, because she says that the anecdote is just as important as a hard piece of evidence. And and my manager, Linda, she said, Brian, you, you've got a lot of experiences. You've got a lot of stories. People love hearing your stories. Just tell them. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I guess so. So I went home, got a bunch of Post-it notes, and just started writing out the tales. I'm like, oh, there's the Eastern State story. Oh, there's the Grand Midway story. Oh, I've got to tell them about this. And as I sat there with a desk filled with post-it notes, each one of them with a different tale, I, I just would pick a post-it note and start writing. Was there ever a time in your career where you were skeptical to the point where you're saying, these don't exist, ghosts aren't real, the afterlife might not be real, it doesn't happen? Did that ever hit you like that? Absolutely, George. I mean, in the beginning, in the beginning of the paranormal journey with Scared on Staten Island, I was the skeptic, capital S, underline, bold, italic, skeptic. Yes, all of you guys are crazy. You're imagining things. You're making things up. This is this can't be real. And as time went on, as I went about doing cases and investigations, learning from people, getting mentored and reading, I had a lot of moments that really blew my mind, and I equate them very much like the phases of loss, you know, when something 
stressful happens. There's denial. There's anger. There's bargaining. And then eventually you get to acceptance. And with the paranormal, when I first discovered what an EVP was, boom, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I went through those phases. Then I learned about ITC and real-time uh, investigating and, and other um, notable historical figures and, and organizations. And with each one, I felt like my mind got blown, and it took me some time to wrestle with it and struggle with it. And my immediate reaction was skepticism, that this couldn't be real, this can't happen. But kicking and screaming, I, I eventually settled into each thing and then on to the next. And now I, I feel myself sometimes getting pulled back into skeptical territory again when certain videos on paranormal caught on camera get presented to me. And I'm thinking, hmm, I have to look at this from many different angles, but my knee-jerk reaction still sometimes will be skepticism. And again, that's healthy. It has, it, it has to be. Uh, I, I definitely don't want to be someone who believes everything they see, and especially now. Here's the catch-22 with evidence these days. On the show, uh, we see clips from many different time periods. Yeah from the present, sometimes going back to the 70s, the 80s, and you're talking about uh, VHS tapes, high eights, uh, super eight even. And the people will look at an old classic Bigfoot tape, and they'll go, oh, this is so blurry, I can't tell any detail. Oh, don't we have any better evidence? Okay, we'll show something that was shot last week in 4K, and it's clear, and it's, it's perfect, and it's in focus, and it's centered, say, oh, this is fake, it's CGI. And I, I myself fall into that trap a lot, that uh, when we don't have enough, I'm skeptical. But when it looks too good, I'm skeptical. So I'm, I often wonder, and I can sympathize with the audience, what would it take? Exactly. You've looked at Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, you've looked at all of them. And there's got to be some reality to everything somewhere out there. I really do feel, and, and this, uh, this again, the show has opened my mind to different facets of the paranormal realm that whatever, whatever avenue you're introduced into it, sometimes you'll stay in that safe little cocoon for the beginning, but then you realize that the paranormal really is an umbrella term that encompasses all the mysteries of our world. And there's so many things that we don't yet understand, and it's only paranormal because it's not understood. Once we have the facts, once we learn more about it, it just becomes science. It becomes Tuesday night. That's nothing to to be amazed about. And it just gets introduced into what we already know. And throughout history, this is how it's gone. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.